We're ready for the Derby. Ahmed Farid here, Corey Robinson, Jack Collinsworth. We've all got our style. I'm wearing a suit jacket for the first time on all things. Corey's got his floral print. <laughs> yeah. Jack's got headphones. You got headphones for the first time, Jack. Well, as you guys know, it was an interesting setup period, but most important thing is we're in focus, at least for now. And we're here, boys. Let's do it. We're looking, we're looking good, and that is like ninety uh, percent of the battle. If you're going to go to the Kentucky Derby, which unfortunately this year fans are not going to be able to partake. Uh, this is all things Kentucky Derby. What we're going to do here is we're going to go through the entire field. You got eighteen horses uh, this year. We'll take a look at some of the morning line odds. We'll maybe pick uh, a couple favorites that we have out there. And if you're if you're a sports better or just a beginner dabbling in it, perhaps we'll uh, link a horse up with a good story, and you can. You can win some money coming up here on Saturday, but Corey, this is uh, this is going to be unusual because for the first time ever, we got we got the first Saturday of September. Usually, the Kentucky Derby first Saturday of May at Churchill Downs in Kentucky. This is totally unique this year, much like everything else in 2020. I gotta say, I'm a fan of the alliteration. You know, first Saturday in September to me that has a nice ring to it. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm super stoked for this. I never really been to a horse races, never watched it before. I told you guys before I actually, uh, watched Peaky Blinders and yeah. I joined NBC and th- those two events kind of changed the trajectory of my, of my horse racing life. So I've been kind of scouring the internet, trying to understand horse racing and, um, big fits the whole nine. I can't wait to watch it. And Jack, yeah. you're, you're right there, right? I mean, you're not far from uh, from this place. That's right. I, so I grew up in Fort Thomas, Kentucky, which is about, you know, it's about exactly two hours or so from the track from Louisville. And so, you know, we, we always grew up saying that you go to a party and then all of a sudden a horse race breaks out. And that's sort of the truth about going to the Derby. And then they had the infield, which if you've ever been to a concert of any kind, it's like the lawn portion, if you will. So like that's the true party. Uh, and we still dress up as if we're sitting in Millionaire's Row or whatever. And we try to look the part. We might have not have quite the same suits, but we try to go look the part. But it usually winds up if there's even a drizzle of rain, which if, you're, if you've ever been to the Derby, you know that they have a long history of rainy days. Oh, there's sure. more muddy suits and mudslides in that infield than you could physically imagine. And of course, Jack, for the first time in like forever that anyone can remember, this year it was like perfectly fine on the day that they were supposed to originally have uh, the Kentucky yep. Derby on the first Saturday in May. So this is, yeah, this is what it looks like empty. Unfortunately, that's basically what it will look like coming up on Saturday. Here's the, here's the shot uh, guys of the, the wow. jam packed grandstands, the horses going around the turn mm-hmm. and you're so right. Timeless. And you're right. Um, Jack, it, it's a, it's a party, I went for the first time last year in the historic race where maximum security, we thought won, but then it was country house who, uh, who got the win because of the DQ. It is a massive party, but Jack, I don't know if you've ever been to the Preakness, it, even more of a party there. Like at, at Kentucky, I was like, I was like, there are probably 40% of the people that don't really care about horse racing here. They just want to come here for the party and might not even watch the race. At the Preakness, I thought it was more like 80 to 90. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, well, you have Louisville's campus that's right there, located right there. And so there's a bunch of kids that we grew up with. So you would sort of do like the fraternity tailgate in the parking lot. And there's a, what a lot of people don't realize is I would say, you know, 90%, 95% of the people that you tailgate with don't even go in. Like they could care less about the fact that there's even going to be a Kentucky Derby or an event or, you know, big national event two minutes away. They're just there for the tailgate. And then everybody just goes home. I don't even know if they end up watching the race, to be honest with you. Uh, But it's more about the tailgate, really. Jack, did you did you ever like grow up with anyone who owned a horse or or how many local people have horses in the race? 
Definitely a lot. I'm not not in the race. Like this is pretty prestigious race, and you got to get. I mean, it's only three year old horses. That's what a lot of people don't know. I mean, that's that's a young horse, and so you have to have a ton of success and win a lot of races or place high in a lot of races early on in your life and early on in your horse life to even have a chance. I mean, some some race horses wind up having you know the best of their career when they're three to ten years old, right? But then they'd have no chance to run in a Kentucky Derby. So it's really just young horses. Uh, that are in this thing. But I definitely have known a couple. My dad's been in the horse race thing since the 80s. Ever since he was playing in Cincinnati, he's obsessed with it. He's been going for as long as I can remember. Has he ever been part owner? Oh, yeah. Horse? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not in the derby, but he's owned some horses that have lost. Yeah. And I do think (laughs) when we talk about, and I I got linked up with, uh, with horse racing with NBC when I got hired about a year ago, and I really didn't have that much experience with it before then um but i've often thought like how do how do you get the common fan and more people interested in in horse racing and and i think the betting part of it certainly you know you have a little skin in the game but i've thought jack i was like man this this ownership deal and there are different uh, syndications out there and different ownership companies that basically slice up their ownership into one percent chunks and so you could own own a piece of uh one of these top horses for you know just you know, a few hundred dollars and you got a little skin in the game. I, I do kind of think that's interesting because I feel like it gets people more vested in the individual stories of some of these horses. So I don't know. I, I kind of hope that they, they do more of that and you have more of these opportunities to own just a fraction of, uh, of these horses. And quite honestly, guys, it really could flow into other sports too, man. If I could own a, a piece of the Detroit Lions back in Detroit, that'd be cool too. <laughs> it's, it's the way to do it. Cause it's the fun thing about horse racing and, and the way that I've always seen, you know, from a distance, the way that they are involved in it, like you're saying, Ahmed, is they is about 20 of them and they all own just a little bit. So they're not going in. I mean, it's not like they're getting in the restaurant business, like 99.9% of these things fail, right? It's not, you're not in it for money making really, unless you're Bob Baffert or one of those top line trainers, you're just owning whatever, 3%, 5% of the horse, but it just, it gives you an interest and you end up checking in on his training and calling the trainer and hearing about how he's doing and what's his time today or why is he missing this race or how is he in the mud? And then next thing you know, you're hooked. Well, it's so just Corey, the, buy-in, the buy-in rate. Yeah. I, but I think when, I, yeah. when I'm thinking about like owning any type of team or any type of sporting event, I feel like personally, I would love to own like a, like a minor league baseball team, a horse, or like a, maybe a race car. You know, I think of like, what are the coolest things to own? I would love to have a suite at some race, like in Saratoga or something. Just bring yeah. all your boys, have a rowdy time and just watch the, the race. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yep. It's such a fun time. It's such a fun time. All right, Corey, you're going to get into later on some of the fashion. You're the fashion guy of the pod. You're the you, I'm just you wearing an Aloha shirt. You yeah. hold that uh, that banner. But here are here are the horses. I'll zoom in here. There's 18 in the field this year. Usually it's 20. This year we got 18, which actually is more than they thought just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so first, right off the bat, um, you just look at all. This is what I normally do as a novice. You look at all the horses' names. And then you just you start with one that you like the most. And I think both of you guys would be intrigued by South Bend. Irish, Irish, Irish. 51. So these are all the morning line odds here. This column, uh, those will change once uh, betting opens up. But uh, 50 to 1 are the long shots right now. Uh, attachment rate, winning impression, always good to have winning in your name. I feel like that's a good omen, even though that horse is also 50 to one. 
It's like the Long Island uh, blockchain iced tea. It's you just throw in winning and it automatically increases your odds or something. Or Correct. What? That's Correct. about right. And a lot of people don't know, too. You sort of pick a so like the, the mom horse and the dad horse. You try to yep. pick some piece of their name to incorporate into the child's name. Is that right? That's yeah. that's wow. the way that naming horses goes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Usually it's, uh, yeah, the, uh, the sire and the dam, yeah, you take a little bit of each one and maybe you put a little twist on it. And so there are all a lot of interesting stories on how some of these horses got their name. The favorites for this race are all here on the outside, uh, honor AP authentic, but the real favorite is, uh, is tis the law. And if you've everything you've read and you listen with some of the expert handicappers out there, they feel like tis the law is as much of a favorite as we've seen since American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown and Justify won the Triple Crown. Tis the Law has already won the Belmont, which came before the Kentucky Derby this year, so a little bit unusual. But uh, guys, it's super boring, but everywhere you turn, everyone you listen to, they're saying there's almost no way that Tis the Law loses this race unless he goes out there and throws up a clunker, which he really hasn't done in his career so far. Yeah, or gets pinned in the rail, uh, yeah, or which trips he out of the outside. gate. Yeah, right? it's yeah. like all those, all those kinds of things. Tell you what, that that horse was in cruise control for the Belmont, though. He was sitting in third place, looked like he was just gliding around that track. I mean, just so subtle and just so easy to be sitting in that third spot, which is always the sign of a terrific horse who's just saving energy and just gliding at the front of the pack. And then when they finally gave him the whip a couple of times, I mean, that horse broke down the stretch like you just don't see. And I think that's why when you see odds move and it wasn't like he ran out of juice getting close to the finish line, he was picking up speed all the way through the wire. I mean, that, that's when you know you have one of these potential triple crown type horses. One of the interesting things is that post position, though, post 17 is yeah. up for 41 at the Kentucky Derby. So, uh, you know, in, in an unprecedented year, I'm thinking, OK, this is the one year, right? That's going to be one for 40. I mean, that this is the year that you, you can change that, that, that win column. But yeah, Tisla just looks too good right now. Um, and, and I've been watching a lot of the tape of Tisla, and I'm, I'm trying to look at tape maybe the same way a football guy <laughs> looks at tape. I'm, I'm looking at horses. And, and it's funny because he always kind of stalks right in the third, second position. And mm-hmm. then, like Jack says, just turned on the burners right in that final turn. And I don't know what it is. He has a jet, a jet booster or something. It flies, takes off. So he's for sure the favorite. Look at you! Look at you guys looking at game film, breaking it down. You guys talk talk like your horsemen, experienced horsemen, uh, right here. So, six wins, seven career starts, four straight wins for Tis the Law. Here's the the one caveat to that, though: his one loss in his career came right here at Churchill Downs, and so it's the, the one track. I know mm. they don't want they don't want rain there, uh, but he's been super super successful and. Now, he's New York bred, and he has become a star at Saratoga. So much so that, here, let me show you this. And my pictures aren't working as well. But they changed the uh, the stop signs, guys. They put stop, all way, tis the law underneath it there at, uh, oh. at Saratoga, if I, can, if I can pull it up. But he is he's become a star. And so you always look for these stories of, okay, which is the horse that has the cool story and like we, we want to root for. And then you got the favorite. And I feel like in a lot of ways this year, both of those are the same horse. And I, I think it's tis the law. Yeah. Very well may have the best name too. I, so, something about that name that, that just hits and it's a New York bred trained horse in the first of its kind, the first New York bred trained horse to win 
the Belmont, which is in New York too. So that's why he's already a, a local favorite. Star, there it is, right there. He's a, he's a star. So uh, yeah, tis the law, which I came to find out later on that they had to take those down because it is actually against the law to to deface a stop sign. Not that they defaced it, but they changed it a little bit right there. Um, so he is the the favorite. And I think I got a couple other pictures here. I mean, just just a beautiful beautiful horse there um working his way through and then you got bob baffert we got two horses in here from bob baffert guys so you never as uh, i work with the hall of fame jockey jerry bailey he says never never overlook the white-haired guy and that is uh that's bob baffert he's got the 18 in this race that's authentic he's got uh which one he's got the 10 which is uh thousand words and i'll give you a little scouting report here on authentic and i'm getting a lot of this information guys from our wonderful research crew at nbc and so you can thank them if you get any betting tips here um authentic is uh, an interesting horse a funny horse according to legendary trainer mike smith he said he's still got some growing up to do but uh it's a horse that uh, many people saw run in the haskell one by a nose and i think it's just when this guy is associated with any horse in the kentucky derby he's won him five times if he wins another one, that'll tie for the most ever for a trainer. It's like you, you always kind of scratch it. It's like a Bill Belichick team, right? No Tom Brady, but you're like, you know mm -hmm. what? I can't, I can't totally discount what this guy's bringing. So I wouldn't count out Authentic, who's uh, who's won over a million dollars in his career so far. Mm hmm. Yeah, you so can that. never count. You can never count a guy Don't like that out. out. I, I really like a thousand words too. Uh, another Bob Baffert trained horse. Yeah. He he's had a little bit of inconsistent year, but he beat you know Honor AP, who was one of the one of the favorites. Um, I think the odds on Honor AP are what like eight to one. Is that right? Was that uh, no, five to one? Five to one. Yeah, he beat him in the in the shared belief stakes. So thousand words is a sleeper, you know, at, at at ten. But and I didn't know thousand words too. By the way, sold for I think a million dollars. I didn't know that. I'm like, wow. Yeah. If I had a million dollars, I probably wouldn't buy buy a horse, but you know. I could think of a couple other things to buy. Yeah. But hey, if they had a win in the Kentucky Derby, it was a good, uh, good investment. Right. Yeah. I guess. Which is, you got some long odds on that. But typically, <laughs> if you have a million dollars, it's not when you buy a million dollar racehorse, it's when you have like a hundred million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you start thinking about those million dollar racehorses. What's kind of funny though is you, you never quite know. Like you can get a million dollar racehorse, it gets, uh, you know, something wrong with its front right leg, and that there were a million dollars. And sometimes it's the horses that are $10,000 that you put nothing into that wind up just going straight to the top. And those are the real, that's when you really make your money. Let me give you a couple other uh, storylines here. You're right. Uh, Honor AP is another, is another horse that, uh, that a lot of people are betting on. As I'm trying to pull up the pictures here, they're a little finicky for me. Hold on, hold on. Okay, there we go. This horse right here, guys, is Finnick the Fierce. This is Finnick the oh. Fierce. Um, and, and this horse has an interesting story. He, uh, he's missing. And I don't know if you can tell they're missing his right eye. This horse is wow. surgically removed when he was young because he had a, a cataract there. Um, also, uh, owned by the vet, vet, veterinarian who examined him, uh, just hours after his birth. And so a long shot, Finnick the fierce, but, uh, but certainly some reasons to, uh, to root for that horse. I've got another long shot here, guys in King Guillermo. I don't know if you recognize this man right here. Oh, yeah. That is, do you recognize Victor Martinez, the uh, legendary all-star baseball player? Oh, yeah. Is he an owner? Yep, yep. He wow. is uh, part of the ownership group there of 
King Guillermo. And so he is into horse racing and he is, he is loving it. Now there is some bad news with King Guillermo is that I think he has some slight injury, missed a workout today. And so not totally sure if he's going to be, uh, to be in the race, but not a great look, right? These, uh, these all-star uh, connections are, are certainly something to root for. I'll give you three other long shots in here that I, that I read up on. And these are expert handicappers that know more than I do about this whole thing. This is uh, money moves. This mm. is money moves. The seven horse in the race is getting, uh, is getting some love, uh, from some of the handicappers out there as a, as a horse to watch Todd Pletcher trained. Who's had a ton of horses in the Kentucky Derby. You got South bend. This is the one that you guys hey. are all up here. Here's your horse. Here's your horse guys. How does he look? look? That. I mean, it looks, it looks magnificent. Yeah. It's just like, just like, just like plenty of in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of oxygen in there. That's important. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looks like, honestly, South, can you go back to the picture really quick? Yeah. South Bend, like low key, looks like, you know, if, if Ghost Rider, you know, was was, was a, a horse racer instead of like, you know, if he didn't ride choppers, it looks like that horse would be on fire. You know, like this would be like a Ghost yeah. Rider Derby edition or like a medieval Ghost Rider. He would definitely star in any comic book superhero film. Yeah. If I was casting, if I was casting a flaming horse. This is the horse for you, right? That's the whole, that's immediately print. So two more. What is this? Uh, Sole Volante is a horse that uh, many people are on. And this is uh, Safi Joseph is the trainer, just 33 years old. He is one of these up and coming trainers with the 15 horse. This is New York traffic. Hmm. Safi Joseph, I've been able to meet him a couple times, came from Barbados. He actually started training when he was 18 years old in Barbados, won the Barbados Triple Crown when he was 22. And now he's come over to the United States and in the last year, calendar year, has had some of the most success that he is, uh, he's ever had in his racing career, at least here in the States. So this is another, uh, another long shot to look at here. Um, but here are the longest long shots in the history. And so you wonder, it's like, okay, if you're not going to go with Tis the Law, you're basically going to have to go with a long shot because he's going to be such the, the heavy favorite. But it was just last year that Country House... 2019, because of a DQ, won the Kentucky Derby. And if you put $2 on him, you would have walked away with 132 bucks. Not bad in, uh, in a, two minutes. Hole, two minutes work. Two minutes work right there. Have you guys, so Jack, when you would go and you'd go to the racetrack, would you, are you a big gambler? Would you put some significant money on these horses or would you just watch for the show? Get the cigar. No, I would, I would put money. I hope I'm allowed to say that, but yeah, I would, hell yeah. That's like, that's yeah. like 90% of the reason why you go. It's yes. it, you, you put it on, it makes you root for, you know, horses and races that you wouldn't normally care about. Typically you just kind of be having your drink and having a conversation and whatever, but you put five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks on one of the long shots. And all of a sudden you are locked into that hole. And what a lot of people don't realize too, it's not like there's one race all day, right? It's not like you have like one horse race. Everybody shows up for two minutes. It's like the 12th race of the day. So there's one in the morning. It just goes about every 20 minutes, 10 minutes or so, a race, a race, a race, a race. So yep. if you have money all over the table, it winds up being a hell of a day. Yeah. So, well, I didn't know that when you like went to these races that there were all these different horse races before that. I thought I didn't. It's like I thought it was just the Kentucky. Yeah. It's just like yeah, I thought it was just like Derby. one big race. And I don't know, like, but then again, you know, what's a minute and a half? So kind of a big, a big when I first time. when I first started doing the shows, that was one of the things I learned. And I knew they had races throughout the day. But if we have a window that's a broadcast window of three hours and it's leading up to the Kentucky Derby later that day, uh, we'll have five races 
in that window they were like mm -hmm. talking about the kentucky derby we're previewing the kentucky derby and then hold on let's stop down we got a race and if they're racing on kentucky derby day at churchill downs chances are they're they're pretty good horses in their own right and so it was it was fun so because cool. it kind of gives a jolt of energy all the way leading up to the to the big race at the at the end of the day so here's the uh, tis the law everyone thinks tis the law is gonna gonna win this one a, a heavy favorite and it's funny guys the betting the favorites boring it's so boring right you don't want you don't want to do it but the last you know you see the last 10 years six out of the 10 years in the kentucky derby favorite one in the yep. 2000s four out of 10 before that the favorite wasn't winning as much which which makes more sense when you have a field of 20 you have a field of 20 the chances of the favorite getting upset are a whole lot greater this year we have a field of 18 but it's not, it's kind of boring. It's like when you do your NCAA tournament bracket, guys, and you go with all the one seeds, you're like, ah, I didn't want to do that. That's so boring. I want to be the guy that picks the long shot. Yeah. And it does seem like there's, especially as of late, there's been a greater distance between the rest of the pack and the top. Just seems like there's been some separation there. Justify American Pharaoh. Now you have Tiz the Law coming in. I mean, for a long time, it was like 30 years or something like that. There hadn't been a triple crown winner. We may get two in the last, you know, couple of years, handful of years. Yeah. Uh, so it does seem like there's become some separation for whatever reason at the top in the horse racing business lately. Yeah. And, and we're I, not. Yeah. Go ahead, Corey. I was saying when I was watching all of the tape of these horses, I mean, when they all were in the same field, the top two or three horses that are in your favorites uh, blew everyone out. Like it wasn't even close. Like in the final stretch, I thought they'd be like neck and neck or something. It wasn't even close. So that's yeah. But I'm I'm a, I'm with you, Ahmed. I want to choose somebody underdog. So like yeah. my pick is an underdog pick. I'm having fun with it. You know, I, like two dollars. What the heck? You know, I don't gamble, but generally, that's the way I look at it. <laughs> if I yeah. did, and if it was just two dollars, you really you really don't care. Um, yeah, and we're not you know we're not obviously expert handicappers. I we barely qualify as novice handicappers um, uh, here. But uh, but yeah, I would I, I think of all years to go with a favorite. This is probably uh, another one of those years. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, you're right. There's there's not a whole lot of information on these horses. It was a point you were making earlier, Jack. It's just three-year-old horses here. And some of them have only raced a handful of times in their career, three or three or four times. And so it really is hard to get a read on what these horses are and what they will be in a situation with hundreds of thousands of screaming fans. We don't have that this year. We've had more information on Tis the Law because normally it's run in May. Here we've had a few more months to see, okay, is he getting better? And he has been getting better. Um, and so I feel like this is a little bit of an unusual year and that we do have a little more information. I'll throw one more uh, big-time long shot. Now, maybe not big-time long shot out there. This is Storm the Court. Well, this is not Storm the Court. This is Brittany Erton right here, works with us over at uh, NBC. Her dad is Peter Erton, trainer. And he trained Storm the Court. Oh, that's not that's your first picture of uh, of uh, your fashion show there, Corey. But he trains the the horse Storm the Court, which won at the Breeders' Cup, champion two year old last year at the Breeders' Cup. They got to celebrate uh, celebrate together. Storm the Court is in the Kentucky Derby, and so if it happens again, you'll see Brittany Erton and Peter Erton celebrating daughter and father once again. So that's just another story to throw out there. So to keep in keep in mind so i gave you a preview right there Corey. you got to talk about the fashion when you talk about the kentucky derby yes this um, is my first kentucky derby watching it from start to finish so like i said i'm very much a novice yes. 
And there will but, and there will not be fans in the stands, unfortunately, for this Kentucky Derby. Yeah, and so but that gives me time to you know to do my research, and so when I go next yeah. year, you know, yes, I, I, can, yes. I can do it. So but, hold on, before we get into your pictures here, Corey, I want to know what Jack has worn when he's gone in the past. Oh, I, I go, I go, I go all in, man. I go all in. I just, I just make it as weird as I can. If, if there's, some, <laughs> if there's a level weirder, I can go in the closet. I just, I just keep leveling up until race time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hat. It's like they don't, they don't even need to go together, right? It's just right. like hat, tie, jacket, yeah, shoes, weird shoes. It's almost like going to like family brunch at Easter. You know, you just look for like the <laughs> the, the brightest colors in the closet. It, you just put them on. That's kind of the yes. whole strategy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I noticed that. Yes. I was confused. I was like, there are all these crazy colors and patterns. I was very confused. But it's normally right. spring, right? So that's a little different. Like this is like fall color version now, but it's typically great you know, point. Springtime. It's the like white. Wow. Can you that's do white? Point. I guess it's before Labor Day, so white is still okay. Corey might need to help us on those. Yeah, I, I really uh, didn't even factor in the fact that this is a fall derby. <laughs> wow. I mean, Jack, I should have. Should have reached out to Jack before this. <laughs> it changes everything. It changes everything. It really right. does. Uh, but yeah, basically the way I looked at it was, was this. You know, to understand anything, you have to look at the historical context, right? So you have to understand how the Kentucky Derby was founded. It was Meriwether um, Lewis Clark Jr. Let me make sure I got his name right. Okay. Meriwether Lewis Clark Jr., who went overseas to, the, to Europe, saw horse races and said, wow, we need this back in America, and then founded the Kentucky Derby in the late 1800s. And apparently it was totally fine uh, as part of society for men and women to go to these events and socialize. But in the U.S., apparently American women were a little hesitant to go at first. Uh, no one knows exactly why, but the, the, the top two culprits are uh, gambling and drinking. So uh, those two dollar bets, I guess, really, really turned a lot of people off. But but basically uh, the way that they got around that was saying, OK, let's plan this as a fashion society event um, where you have your full morning dress code. And then you got picnics wow. with your friends. Let's make it a big deal as a fashion event. And then that overcame the social taboo. And it was a huge hit, right? So there was hats in the beginning. But the thing is, it, it didn't really mention hats being the essential part of the Kentucky Derby, even in the 1926 time write-up of the Kentucky Derby. Um, they mentioned hats, but in passing. It was like, you know, the horse running by and there were some people with hats. But it, it, because at that time, like if you look at any sporting event in the 20s, 30s, way back in the early 1900s, People wore suits and hats to everything, boxing matches, basketball games, you know, tennis matches, the whole nine. So hats weren't particularly the, the crowning achievement, no pun intended, of the Derby yet. Mm. So I thought that was really interesting. So, OK, you know, so I look at this next picture. This is a great example of why it's so important to study history. I look at it, I look at this picture. This is from the 1940s. Right. A guy wearing a suit with shorts, long socks. And shoes. It's a very like British schoolboy fit, right? And by fit, it's short for outfit. This is a very like British schoolboy fit. Go to the next picture. This uh, you saw LeBron James and his ah. team, right? Where the the, the British schoolboy fit as well. And Tom Brown's obviously a student of the game. Um, he knows like that's what every fashion designer do. You you have to look at the past to understand the future. Yeah. You yeah. put your own little twist on it. So I wanted to hold do this entire like fashion bit on the past. The, what I think are the golden dress ages of the Kentucky Derby. It's a look I've never tried. Jack, have you tried this look? The shorts with the suit? Yes. 
there's some hot summer days where I, you know, I, I don't want to count this look out. Sometimes you're so sweaty in a suit. I mean, y- y- yeah, yeah, you're miserable. I, for that reason alone, I'm not putting out the capris with the, the suit top. I like what's happening here. Hey, if it's in style, right? Yep. Go with it. If it's yeah. going to keep you cooler, I'm burning. Well, Pharrell up did this at a, he performed at an award show in the same thing. But like personally, but it was a tuxedo, short, mm. short tuxedo. Um, but I'm hey, not a huge Corey. What about the socks? Just out of curiosity, when you when you go with the when you go with the dress shoes and yeah. you got the shorts, you know, right? I like the way they're cut. They're cut above the knee. There, classy way to do it. What about the sock situation? Curious for your expert analysis there. Uh, one, I'm not an expert. I'm just a guy who wears clothes. Um, you're an expert. <laughs> but Get out of here with that stuff. Socks, man. You have to go. You have to go high socks. I mean, if you're gonna wear shorts, okay. in my personal opinion, I feel like you have to go high socks. People, some people have done ankle socks, but Generally, I am not a fan of ankle socks, period. That's just my personal take. Love it's it. a very strong opinion. But you're no, right. It's something you have to think about, how the socks are going to look, because you see the tops of them for the first time wearing mm-hmm. a suit. Something you got you didn't consider before. Well, if you go to the, the past picture, I think he's wearing Argyle socks, right? It's like there's a, oh. there's a way you can kind of like mix it up a little bit. That's why the his, history is such a great teacher, you know? You got to look at Pitt, Pitt's past to understand right. Pitt's present right. and future. All right, hold on. I gotta, I gotta go here real quick. I got a question while we're holding on. Hey, Corey, how long do you think it takes before, like, you know, style cycle back in? Like, how many generations does it typically skip? Is it, you know, one decade? Is it two decades? How long does it typically take before, you know, something like that? I mean, think about how long it took for this style to cycle back in with LeBron. What's just your feeling on that? Well, it it, it depends. It's um, it's a great question. I would generally say like every twenty to thirty years. Hmm. Because, like, for instance, the 90s in the past couple of years have had a, a, you know, a renaissance. Everyone's looking at the 90s. Um, and it's about 20 years ago, right? Yeah. And then now people are looking at the 80s, I think, a little bit. And then there's, like, these random things generally, like, right now, like, the 60s are really cool. So, like, you, you can always go back in the past. I feel like the 60s and 70s and just generally are just awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but generally, I think it's every, like, 20 years or so you look back. And just take into account because it's like nostalgia when you're when we're like 40 i think we're going to look at things that are like oh man remember when we used to wear this as kids and stuff and then you bring out the old stuff and then like our children will wear that to college and be like look what i found in my dad's closet this old jumper that was notre dame crew neck you know from like the early 2010s that's so vintage that's how vintage works you know yeah, I and know. it's cool all over again. Like it makes complete sense, and then all of a sudden their friends want to wear it, and then they go into their dad's closet or mom's closet. Yeah, yeah. And you become a dad. You turn on the radio, and they're playing oldies, and they're all the songs that you grew up with. And you're like, wait a second, <laughs> not supposed to be happening. <laughs> Terrifying. So, so this picture, this is 1920s, which is yeah, like this is fun. going back, and we're going back even more than 20 years here. Yeah, 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 like a hundred years, right? Wow. So if you if you go if zoom in to the the ladies in the far left corner, right, the very last yeah. two women. So this is I love their fits. Like look at that like texture. It looks almost like a Missoni rib with the stripes. The collar line is like impeccable. The hat is complimentary, but you know it doesn't take away from the fit, which I think is a very nice touch. Um, but huge fan of that fit. And then go to the person above her, that woman. Oh. There, yeah, right there. Right like here. I love like how she looks almost so despondent, a little bored. Like, mm. you know, this is the roaring twenties at the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. And listening to what Jack just said, it's a party. And she's like, uh, oh, I'd rather be at some cafe reading, you know, or something. She's focused on her horse right now. Her horse is supposed to be near the lead in the first furlong. And 
he's fading back. He's like, this is not how it's supposed to go. Super is that, is that Snoopy there on his shoulder? Is that Snoopy? I'm trying to get a closer look. That might be pretty Snoopy. The the design right there? Does that look like Snoopy? Uh, not really, not to me. No, it looks like okay. plot. Well, I may need to go I back to the eye doctor. If I like, if I like, yeah, I turn my head a little bit, I could kind of see it, like sleeping yeah. on top of the, the doghouse or whatever. Yes, yeah, early snappy. Yeah. But right. yeah, I, love, I, love, I love that picture. I think it's just a nice way to kind of root like this is a suit and tie event, super formal. Then the next one, let's see right. what we got next. Okay, next one, bring up here, and okay, boom. so now we're going into one of my favorite periods of all fashion, which is the forties. Yeah. 50s, early 50s wow Look why that this. why do you like that the most because that picture right there other than the guy if you zoom into the woman and not the guy wearing a top hat because no one wears top hats these days yeah right except for slash um but like if you look at her she looks timeless yeah like there's a certain elegance to every picture that was taken in the 40s and 50s in my personal what do you opinion. mean this guy's not timeless over here he looks timeless but i can't tell if it's 1860 to 19 you know 20 like that's kind of time that i feel like for him but the woman Time on the was, right, yeah, 1860 to like 1560, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but still timeless in a certain you know quality. But the yeah. woman on the right seems like modern timeless, you know. Like you could just see that like in Time magazine or something, which is actually where I got it. That's the whole yeah. point. It's like that's the the whole vibe is how do you make it timeless and classy and elegant? It's another one. Look at that. It's just wow. that one, the hat kind of dates it a little bit. You were like, okay, no one wears hats like that. That's pretty like old school. Um, but I love the pattern play. Uh, I mm -hmm. think that's a really just fun thing to make it pop. The the 40s and 50s were all about, you know, um, mon monochrome, monochromatic fits that are all kind of professional fits mm. uh, that really focus on silhouettes, you know, shoulders, hips, like the, the like silhouettes. And then you have accent pieces. So you can see the parasol and the hat were the accent pieces. Because if you're wearing like all black, you know, the one thing pops and that's and that's the pattern, you know. Yeah. Right. Is that an umbrella? There? Was, yeah. Yeah. yeah it looks little, like an umbrella. A little shade. You, have you ever done a parasol in the in the summertime? Like in you know, because people think umbrellas for rain, but parasols are a game changer. Interesting. What's a parasol? That's it's a, just an I'm umbrella, guessing it's an umbrella. But just using it in like when it's not raining. Like you for the shade, just catch a little shade wherever you are. Yeah. Why why don't we do that anymore? It makes too much sense. You go to a game, you get a little hot, you just put your umbrella up. I feel like the guy well, three rows back might be kind of pissed. That's the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta make sure you're bigger than that guy. If you're bigger than that's that right. guy, then yeah. you can do it. You can bring out your what is it, a parasol? Yeah, bring, the parasol, bring parasol. Needs, a, needs a return. We need a return. This Got one, it. look at this awesome photo. Once again, timeless. Like to me, I think that's just unbelievable. And I love that hat. Can you zoom in on the hat uh, on the woman in black? Shit. Uh, this one right here, yeah. yeah look at wow. that hat. the trim, the plaid trim, so chic. Wow. And her horse is winning. Her horse is winning for sure. Yeah, she she won two dollars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next one. This one is a perfect example of what I was talking about, right? Like all okay. monochrome. Yeah. But look and at how the hat just pops. The pattern mm -hmm. they go down. Well, it might be alive, Corey. That's the reason I think it pops. There may it may be alive. The poof is actually a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won the dog show that year. Won the yeah. dog. Yeah, there's Snoopy. <laughs> and if you look at her ring, you could see the ring pops too. Uh, you can see the brooch pops. Obviously, brooches. Man, brooches had a moment. You know, past couple of years. But like okay. this is what I'm talking about. Like if you wear just all black, boom, everything you do, all your accessories pop, and it just makes it look like a million bucks. The earrings, 
everything just has so much more uh, shine and power to it. I like it. All Next right. one. Next one. Oh, I got to I got to reopen. I got to reopen here. Hold on. For the next derby, we we got to get Corey on the red carpet doing this. I know. (laughs) Please let me stand next to Corey and just hold the microphone and just let let him break down every outfit that walks in. We're going to learn more about fashion here than we are about uh, actually the horses who are in the race, which I'm fine Uh, with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. Derby's all about. Shoot. Yeah. So this one right here, once again, is just a classic photo. Uh, If you zoom in. You can see I think, zo- I think zooming in is where I'm getting in trouble here, but that's all right. No, but you know, just go, oh. go up a little bit. Okay. But see this, I'm talking about with like the, the silhouette idea, right? She's wearing a floral dress, but it's cinched at this, at the belt, at her waist. That's so true. Look at the, the bottom part, it, it's really structured. It has a nice billowing effect, you know, but yeah, yeah the florals are such a nice May spring to summer transition. It just feels great. You know, like it just feels like summer. So that's why I love that photo. It just made me feel like that's Midwestern summer. That's Kentucky summer. You know, it just feels like summer. This one, I was shocked by the, how modern this fit feels. Like I live in New York, right? And when you see this fit, if she was not wearing whatever shoes those are wearing, if she was wearing Jordans or like Nike Sakai's, I'm telling you, this is a a fit in Brooklyn. You're wearing a floral dress with a, with a blazer and a ball cap. You know what I'm saying? Like, that this is just like an art writer in Brooklyn or, you know, it, it, downtown Manhattan. Like that is so modern. And you can see it's like the precursor for a lot of nineties fits too. I mean, princess Diana has worn like similar fits, but with like a chunky white tennis shoe. You know what I'm saying? That That's a great New York fit ahead yeah. of its time. Weird to see the blue grass and black and white too. I've never quite seen that before. Sure. Yeah. That's the world famous blue grass right there. You guys know the story of the blue grass, right? The old Kentucky bluegrass. I know the name is Kentucky bluegrass. What is that? What's the history behind that? So green, so flush. Yeah. Specifically there in May, borderline looks blue. I personally have never seen it. To me, it looks about as green as this t-shirt, but (laughs) I'll deny I ever said that. That's what? (laughs) It's so green and flush. It looks blue. That's right. The bluegrass state, baby. Yeah. They got it on license plate. Every license plate in Kentucky says the bluegrass state. Never quite figured it out. Huh. You're like, it all looks green. Jack's like, it looks green, guys. We're, we got to go green grass. Let's just go green grass. Somebody says that, I act like it looks blue too, you know? <laughs> like, I, I just I played into it my whole life. I'm just keeping it real with you guys because you're my boys. Because if, if you say green, you'll be disowned. And you That's almost correct. have to move out. You That's have correct. to move out and never go back. You got to cross the river at that point. All right, Corey, we got a few more pictures here, I think. Yeah, right? so this is a jockey fits are great. Just to generally look at that, like the, the knee-high riding boots. Yeah. I love uh, the... So like I'm not a huge fan of riding pants. They kind of have like a like a drop crotch and then they kind of like taper in a strange way around like the knee or right above the knee. Not a huge fan of that. But uh mm-hmm. I love the tan with the riding boot like cognac leather, you know, and yeah. the buckle. It just it's a beautiful play, like such great texture play and um it just looks awesome. It looks just unbelievable that cognac leather. And then of course you're you're riding a horse wearing uh, a tailored and tapered blazer hmm. some of them even have coattails like you look like a like mozart like conducting something you know i think it's so classy i've always been a big fan of the you know they've called it the european cup but tailored right it should fit properly it's like uh cory the suits that uh your dad maybe another nba players wore in the 90s were not that way a little baggier than yeah uh, but, but, there was something, but i will say the whole 80s suit look like look at any Giorgio armani ad from the 80s yeah like, it plays like it's sweet but I'm with you in the sense that, like, I like a tailored, I like a tailored yes. suit. 
I'm with you. A little, a little tighter. All right. Do, do we Ooh, know this... why it ever became that, like the baggy suit wave? What, what was the reasoning behind? Well, yeah. What? I don't know. Okay. I'm not even going to pretend to know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, now every year they just get tighter. Well, but you know, it goes back and forth. You have the pendulum of like skin. It's almost like skinny jeans versus like you know looser jeans. Like sometimes they're super big and baggy, and then other times they're super tight, and then they go back and forth. Well, it's funny. I, w- I got I still have shirts from when I was in, you know, even high school and college. And I was skinnier then, but I put them on now and they're so much more baggy now than anything I wear. It's so weird. I mean, I was smaller back then, but it's just the way the style has shifted as far mm-hmm. as, you know, yeah, tailored and tight as opposed to baggy back in the day. All right. This guy seems pretty tailored and tight. Yeah. So this is a waiter at the Kentucky Derby. And I thought it was yeah. interesting because everyone talks about spectators, but like, who are the people who work the Derby? So this is in the 1950s, a guy serving uh, a spectator. But look at the white chore jacket, the bow tie, mm-hmm. the in and out style paper hat, you know, tilted at the side. But look at his aviators. This is a key thing for any yeah, guy. I feel yeah. like if you're going to go to the Kentucky Derby, rain or shine, bring a pair of sunglasses because that guy looks like Steve McQueen. He looks like a movie star. And it's only because and he's wearing a work outfit and he looks like a movie star. And that's because yeah. one, his sunglasses and two, it's a it's a film photograph. But if you have sunglasses, immediate movie star status. Being able to pull off that hat and look like a movie star might be the most impressive thing of the podcast so far. It might be the best. It might be the best thing we've seen. Yeah. So this right here, or maybe this guy. No, this guy. I'm telling you, for about two seconds there, I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He held the mantle. That was it was a short championship. (laughs) So this guy is a. This is a master class in menswear. So wow. This is what I want to tell you guys. Which one? Which one? Down the right, the, okay. the elderly gentleman. So if you are going to um, think about this for a second, if you want to know something, do you go to someone who barely just started doing something or someone who's been doing it for a long time, right? Like I have been wearing clothes for like two decades, you know, like two and a half decades. Like, so I, you know, in like company terms, I might be a SVP or a CEO, a young CEO or something, right? This guy has been wearing slacks for like 60 plus years. You know what I'm saying? He has six decades of experience. So I think he knows how to wear a pair of slacks. So like you have to look at your elders as far as how to wear clothes properly. I mean, look at that. It's a pleated slack, high-waisted with a thin leather belt, right? There's only one button that shows between the top of that waistline and his right. And then like an open short, um, a Mac jacket, like, and then leather Oxford shoes, polished but worn in. This guy is like, I'm telling you, that's how you wear clothes. That's a casual menswear fit. Textbook. I was just thinking, I was just thinking uh, the the few people who are listeners to our podcast and not watchers on YouTube, I apologize. I, I mean, you really got to go. You got to go find it. I just, you, you got to go find the far. link. Yeah, you, you got to go find the link uh, at this point. All right, a few, a handful more. I think we got four more pictures here. What do we got here? It's just super 60s. It's, that's why I love it. It's very like, you know, Jackie Kennedy, very Marianne Faithful. It's just yeah. the woman on the right. So I just wanted to incorporate that because this is a, it's not a timestamp. You know exactly. This has a timestamp. You know exactly when it was taken, which I think is cool. I think the next one has a timestamp too. I'm saying uh, early 90s. Exactly. Late 80s, early 90s. But I yeah. love that jumper with, and this is one of my favorite looks, like that type of cardigan, like a knit cardigan with crazy color. The woman in the green? Yeah, with the uh, with the with a white that's like a athletic turtleneck. So yeah. I love that look so much, and the hat with the flowers on it too. I mean, so much creativity, so much fun, and she looks like really warm. 
She does look warm. If it's a cool day, yeah, she looks she looks like she's cozy. And then here are just oh. some like other derby outfits. This is from Belmont. I just wanted to show like generally like this yep. is to me what this is 40s, 50s. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like that is great fashion. That's timeless. It looks great. Very like old golden age movie star Hollywood. And then the next slide. The final one. Is Princess Die. And this is what I'm saying. Like the polka dots with the great polka dot hat. So classy. This is a, a derby, you know, in the derby and uh, the royal suite in uh, the royal box in London or in the UK. But like, yeah, she looks great. She, she looks great and she's a fashion icon and will be forever. So, but I just love that. This is the way that everyone in the Kentucky Derby, in my opinion, should dress. Like she looks unbelievable. I love it. Jack, what do you think? Like that was the whole point of this podcast when we first created it was to teach something. I feel like for the first time, like I learned something from listening to Corey, right? I was like, I, I don't think I've said anything worth a crap, but I just learned yeah. something right there. Well, Thanks, Corey. Ditto. That makes two of us, Ahmed. But yeah. I got to say, that was one of the more fascinating moments of my week right there. I think I could listen to Corey break down outfits. And we haven't even gotten to the modern day stuff yet. I mean, we're no, still hanging yeah, out yeah, you know, yeah. in the is, 80s. I just wanted to go back and, yeah, back in the past. But that's yeah. why we're going to be friends for, forever, Corey, is because you are you have that historian brain. Like whenever it comes to something that you're you're getting introduced to, the first thing you want to do is go back to the Genesis you just want to return all the way home to where this all yep. began. And that's, there's nothing more pure than that. That's what I loved about what you just did right there. You know, the me present, still. the present bores core is like the present. So it's so boring. <laughs> no, it's like, no, it's like this 20 years. I just, I was watching all these movies like um, 1950s, like Swedish films recently. And like, it was really interesting because one of my favorite movies, 500 days of summer, the references uh, Ingmar Bergman film, the seventh seal and and I didn't even realize it because like, but that's the whole thing. Like Quentin Tarantino is a film historian. Like the guy loves film. So if you watch his films, he's referencing like he's pay he's paying um, homage to all these great filmmakers of the past from all over the world. But if you don't know the history, you don't get the subtle reference. You're like, oh, that poster is actually from this other movie, or that red candle is a Shaw Brothers film candle. Like there's all right. these little Easter eggs that are hidden. So that's why I love fashion because fashion is just laden with Easter eggs. If you know fashion history you understand exactly what designers are doing now and what they're being inspired by so i know nbc will have cameras that are in you know people's homes and people will be zooming in microsoft teamsing in they'll be doing all that stuff facetiming in so we're going to get to see some of the fashion still even though it won't be inside churchill downs all right before we go guys we got to pick you got to pick your winner so we got to pick the winner here are the 18 horses in the field uh jack i love it let me know to let me know with a live and local weather report from the great state of Kentucky. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. It that looks like that. a warm 82 degrees and partly cloudy with a lot of sun. Ooh. No precipitation in the forecast. So the mutters are not quite as valuable. Yes. And a good day for Tis the Law as well. Tis the Law. That's what they wanted. They were like, he's the favorite. Unless there's a little rain, which we've seen before in Kentucky, but meteorologist Jack Collinsworth says that is not a problem. So you're going tis the law? I mean, I can't go tis the law. I'm taking South Bend, but tis the law is going to win. <laughs> so he, he takes two. All right, all right. Oh, South Bend, Bill Mott horse. Bill Mott, the trainer for uh, South Bend's, the trainer who won it all last year for the first time. That's right. At, uh, country House. All right, Corey, who are you going with? Money Moves. Money Moves. Todd Pletcher, Javier Castellano, they've had a lot of success. The yeah. reason? Well, because in, in gambling, or I feel like gambling is just mispriced assets, right? So Money Moves has raced three times this year. Mm -hmm. um, won the first two races of the year. 
and then finished second in the last race after four months off. Um, no one really knows much about this horse. So I, for me, I'm like, okay, well, that sounds like a perfect mispriced asset. And there's not a lot of information on him. Only insiders would know stuff. And mm. he's priced at 30 to 1. I mean, if you're playing an odds game, I feel like, mm. you know, why not? Throw your hat in the ring. Interesting. Now I feel pressure to not go with Tis the Law because I feel like that will be made fun of. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I was covering the Haskell. I was there uh, when Bob Baffert's Authentic won that race. Authentic will be right there next to Tis the Law. He'll get to eye him. He'll get to mm-hmm. size up the competition. Um, Intimidate him. Snort a I couple think, times. I'm going to say like Jack. I think Tis the Law is going to win, but I'm going to pick Authentic. You know, I'm going to get there two for the price of one. That's right. Figured out a way to do that. <laughs> you, you borderline got the trifecta. That's the old exacto pick right there. <laughs> Exactly. We got the exact. The crazy thing about horse racing, I'm telling you, though, Corey made a good point there. It's like it would be like betting on if you're a football fan, it would be like betting on a 15 year old football game as the Super Bowl. Yes. Right. Like a 15 year old football. It's a bunch of horses that are like just about to, you know, finish puberty kind of a thing. They're like right in that in between zone. And it's the biggest horse race of them all. It's just like it makes no sense. But that's that's kind of the magic of it. And the the, the bummer is, is that a lot of the times if they have a whole lot of success early, they don't race much past three or four just because there's so much money in breeding. Yeah. yeah. The, the it's not a bad life. Is, you know, they don't live a terrible a bad, life, a, but it's not quite it's as pretty much good running. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, the running, the running uh, ceases to exist. All right, guys. Well, that's good. That is everything to know about the Kentucky Derby. All things Kentucky Derby really was all things fashion. And we just touched on the, the 18 horses in the field. Corey, Jack, well done. Uh, wear your Saturday best. Root on your horses, and uh, let's go make some money. Amen. Pleasure as always.